What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey everybody, Patrick Connor here. Welcome to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. I'm here with my boy, Eris Pina, CompuBox operator and fellow fight fanatic, as you all know. Eris, what's up, man? How you doing? Everything's good, my man. Everything's really good. And yourself? Doing all right, dude. We had a good, uh, pretty good heavyweight clash a couple days ago this past weekend. And I mean, for once, we're here to only minimally talk about boxing history. <laughs> I mean, if we if we can help it, I guess. But no, nah, Alexander Usyk rematch with Anthony Joshua. Pretty good clash between big men for the heavyweight championship. I mean, depending on how you feel about this tyson fury retirement business but it was it was a good fight dude i mean what what was the what was the story of the fight as far as you're concerned like i mean i'm i'd imagine you agreed with the decision and and whatnot no no i'm like spencer oliver you outboxed the shit out of him aj you outboxed him. If, if if you're on twitter i'm sure you've probably seen that clip where everyone's just giving aj a bunch of delusional bullshit after the fight you know but um, nah, Usyk clearly won the fight. He won it with, you know, some room to spare. But Joshua, to his credit, I did think um, did a lot better in the rematch than he did. I agree. He made some adjustments, just that Usyk is just on another level. And there's nothing wrong with that, man. He's a special talent. You know what I mean? He's an absolutely special talent. And proves the act. Um, and he proves that you don't need a stupid division like Bridgerweight to dominate at a heavyweight you know especially in this era with giants like that because Usyk is not a big heavyweight he's a big guy but he's not a giant compared to guys like that and look at the way he was able to do something with Joshua man so it, it was compelling yeah. man you know there's a lot of questions a lot of Joshua came in he like, scoured the earth trying to find a new trainer talked about everything how he had to change himself to find himself again and all that and you know, in the, the beginning of the fight, he definitely, he definitely, you know, you could see there was a little bit of um, adjustments he was making. He was more aggressive, the pressure he was putting on, the body work he was putting in there. But Usyk, to his credit too, man, he's one of those guys I'm not going to use. Mechanics. I had to keep on repeating over and over of dialing in information or whatever stupid shit that's called. <laughs> I, I just hate that comment. I Like, I hated it with Lomachenko. I hated it with everyone else when they're just, you know, dialing in info or whatever they call that. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. But they're turning on the modem, fucking doing the motherfucking robot. Yeah, yeah the down yeah, the, the downloading have... information and something in the matrix and fucking yeah. Oh yeah, There's... he's in the matrix now. He downloaded that information. It's three rounds now. Watch him. No. Like... Well, for for the record, our boy Corey Urban, who was on the call of that heavyweight championship fight, was not the one who made that comment. Thank goodness. We're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> But Corey no, did, uh, Corey did an incredible job. No, that was, dude, I'm very proud, yeah, very proud of Corey. That was awesome. Uh, and he did a dream that we'd all love to have, too. That like, you got to announce a heavyweight championship. I, I mean, dude, you know, like who can, and he's, and it could not be uh, a nicer dude, a better yeah, dude. A better guy. Absolutely. Yeah. 
great guy. He deserves it. But no, like back to the whole, yeah, I, I totally agree. Usyk was was kind of dialing in there. Sorry, I but you you have the <laughs> as soon as you start going with the downloading information, it's just like, oh, you'd get PTSD, you get triggered. So the first few rounds, Josh, you know, Usyk wasn't doing a ton. Joshua wasn't either, but he was being more active. You saw the pressure he was putting on. And you can see that he had more confidence in what he was doing, especially as he had some success to the body. But I noticed something. I'll ask you, Pat, if you noticed the same thing. It was after round four when Usyk finally decided to, like, you know, turn it up a little bit of a notch. He started landing his left hand a little bit more, get a little bit more active. He definitely clearly won the round. And... <clears throat> You saw a look on Joshua's face where he knew, okay, you know, now it begins. And when they sat down, you had to really listen. But um, Joshua made a key, um, what I thought was a was a key comment. You know, he sat there and he goes, "It's clever. It's really clever." And I actually didn't hear that. Yeah, I heard that right after the round ended. Joshua, huh. you know, really briefly, you hear Joshua go, "He's clever," and. It's like he knew, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be in for another long night again. Like, I'm sure he saw the confidence that he was going to win, but he also knew then that, like, things were just turning ever so slightly and he's going to have to, like, adjust again. Yeah, and, you know, I think that you made a, a good point earlier. So many crazy things happened during this rematch um, afterward. You know, I think that what happened afterward has kind of dominated the discussion, unfortunately. But... <clears throat> Well, it, it's, it was distracting, dude. And it distracted from the fact of one of the points you made earlier was that this was further confirmation that you don't need a bridger weight. You don't need a super heavyweight. You know, you don't need any of those things. And that time and again, skill, it might not necessarily automatically beat size, but it can. It totally can. And in a lot of situations will. And so I think that like this was just once again, you know, we already saw that in the first fight. So we already know it's possible, blah, blah, blah. But it was just further confirmation that, you know, Usyk is that guy. But yes, I do think that I do think AJ did make some adjustments that were pretty key, pretty critical, and that he had some pretty good, uh, you know, notable success early on in the fight doing different things rather than like, I think that his body language is so telling partially because he's so like muscle bound and shit like that. I mean, but also he looked really relaxed in the, in the first couple rounds. Like he was like countering and he was countering with combinations. And I was like, yo, you know, he's looking good. Like this might be some trouble for Usyk, man. But of course, like you said, a couple rounds in Usyk starts dialing it in. Like he was like, he's the kind of fighter. Uh, and it's not like he's the only fighter like this. But when stuff starts not going his way, he doesn't just allow it to keep sliding in that direction, you know, like, and it's, and I get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be overly critical, but we've seen time and again, a fight starting to get out of a fighter's hands. And it's almost kind of like, you know, that that fighter has the potential to do something, anything. And they're not, they're just following the pattern. They're just doing it. And Usyk's not that kind of guy, you know, as soon as uh, he, began realizing that AJ was having that kind of success. He started doing other things. He started landing to the body more. He started working his left hand in because he was mostly working off his jab in the first handful of rounds and just kind of using his left hand sparingly. And so <clears throat> always having something in your back pocket, always being able to make that adjustment, whatever the adjustment is, even if it just is an adjustment is so important. And that's one of the reasons why we keep seeing guys like, 
Anthony Joshua, in my opinion, falling short is uh, one of the reasons why we see a guy like Usyk having so many options and being able to make adjustments like that without thinking is that he has been fighting since he's since he's younger. So, I mean, that not to validate the things that AJ was saying after the fight per se, but I do think that uh, some of those things were true, that Usyk does have a lot of those automatic movements down like a Vasily Lomachenko who's you know doesn't have to think before doing a lot of things doesn't mean they're unbeatable but you can see Anthony Joshua actually thinking in there and it's almost like once the thinking started happening and uh, happening a couple rounds in and he couldn't counter anymore and stuff like that he went from loose to yeah tighten tighten up again all of a sudden he tightened up he was waiting too much following him around and I mean <clears throat> again that's because oh, of what Usyk was man. doing really tough when you're trying to play chess with a guy exactly you have equivalent like bobby fisher in there exactly you know kasparov's going off on your ass right now and he's fucking queen to rook fucking 19 or whatever the fuck i don't know chess but point is you know but yeah i live in new york city and i I love i love watching the chess hustlers in in union square and washington square park all the time so i'm not going to say i'm a chess expert but at least i have an idea of what's going on out there it's it's cool especially when when you're watching people who play chess and know what they're doing it's pretty cool to watch just like boxing though just like here and i think that's a really good uh it's a good analogy and you could see it anytime anthony joshua was making a movement Usyk's like slide 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 you know it's so tough to fight that fucking style as we could see so it was adjustments man a guy that can was a booger man on the fly and just just piece things together immediately after. Okay, I see what he's doing now. I'm going to pick off of this and start working with that. You have to adjust off of that. And he's so quick-minded to know the work off of it. Like, you can't keep up with a person like that. That's that's what's the difficult part. And that Joshua, that was his problem throughout the fight. Like, yes, he fought with more confidence. But you can, like you just said, Pat, he was also, like, thinking way too much. You know what I mean? In between gaps. And that would cost him rounds because him overthinking would make him not throw as much. And Usyk would be able to do what he wanted to do in there. And that's always kind of like, um, like he was almost like caught between styles, like the old Joshua, where he was like more of a seek and destroy guy and more of the safety first guy that he was, that he's become after getting knocked out by uh, Andy Ruiz. And it's like, he showed a little bit of both, but he needed to revert obviously much more back to the old Joshua that he was, you know, to really just, you got to take the risk like that, even if you're going to get countered, you know, hitting stuff, but like, he was, you know, he was still doing good and he still had his moments in the fight. Like, you know, there was like a lot of people that thought the fight was still up for grabs in the middle rounds. Um, I thought by that point, Usyk, even though the fight might be close on the cards, I thought that Usyk, you know, had already shown that he had the momentum. Yes, the momentum, totally. But it was around round nine, right? Around eight, round eight, round, definitely round nine, where um, Joshua turned up and it looks like you know, initially it looked like at least that Usyk was in trouble and that, you know, Joshua might be able to pull this out. He started going to the body. Um, and that's, we like, let's say Lennox Lewis, good example, Vladimir Klitschko, really big heavyweights who were effective without really going to the body all that much. They jabbed to the body. Lennox went to the body, maybe a little bit more than uh, Vladimir Klitschko did, but overall not really taking many risks as far as going to the body. And that's something that we saw from Anthony Joshua um, at a couple points during the fight. And they were exactly the points where he was having success. 
That's not to say that Alexander Usyk is weak to the body. It's just to say that the guy's 250 fucking pounds and nailing you with fucking massive punches. The body hurts. So yeah, it, it clearly was man. Like you, any any type of giant leaning up all over you and doing that type of stuff and landing punches like that. And... It's a big big guy. It's a At big least fucking guy. Carnero, you know, when with Tommy Locker and just step on his toe and break his toe immediately, right? Yeah, I mean, like, unless unless you are a master craftsman, you know, like a Lochran or something like that, you know, it's that size does matter usually. But um, yeah, we we've clearly seen that with Usyk, he can make at least to a degree, he can make it not matter. Um, and yeah, to to see him, that was what was kind of amazing was that right when Anthony Joshua looked as if like, oh, like you know, there's some fucking danger here, bro right as if it started looking like he might be able to seize it back or at least make it like a real fight out of it. Usyk rubber banded back and turned up himself. <laughs> you know, that was what's like, that's crushing. That's just so psyche psychologically crushing to a fighter. I would imagine that <clears throat> there you are finding like a second win and you're having success. And then the guy who's smaller than you and has already beaten you before just goes, no. It's like, fuck. All right. Well, you know, so I, I, I could totally see uh, how frustration and whatnot could lead to what we saw after the fight because that momentum was totally shut off by Usyk in the last few rounds. And to, and to actually even, sorry, but to actually even have the who was it, Glenn Feldman? Uh, I mean, the fact that we even know the ju these judges' names is absurd in and of itself because it means they've done something wrong in some point in the past. But it's like, you know, to clearly Usyk was going to have to turn in a spectacular performance to get a, a dominant win on the cards because at least one judge was looking for something for Anthony Joshua despite the fact that Usyk closed strong. Put it this way, man. I've learned over the years, if you hear, we've well, been watching boxing for many decades, for a few decades now. If you hear a judge and you recognize that name from when you first started watching boxing in the 90s, there's a good chance they're going to send in a bullshit scorecard because they're just incompetent and have no business scoring anymore. So case in point, what happened Saturday. But back to your point um, with round nine, it looked, you know, initially from first viewing, it looked like Usyk was actually a little hurt. You know what I mean? Joshua was landing some solid body shots. Usyk was leaning over. Joshua was doing really good work. It was the best work he had done in the in all, you know, all the fight that they had from the first fight to the second fight. All the frustration that he had, it was, I wouldn't say, you know, obviously it's very not the same thing, but like, you know, when a guy finally gets success after like rounds and rounds of just, you know, pure frustration getting just pissed off the whole time. Kind of like how Dempsey felt when he knocked down Tunney finally in their rematch. Kind of like that. Like Joshua, you saw the confidence in his face after that round, after round nine. Like he finally got some damage done. He had Usyk visibly like, you know, a little bit weary on the ropes and there was a dominant round for him. And it looked like the momentum was firmly on his side at that point. <clears throat> and if you go by boxing Twitter, a lot of people were starting to feel the same way. Like, holy shit, Joshua might be able to pull this out. And then Usyk came back in that next round, man, and talk about some awesome recuperative powers himself. Because like you said, dude, he not only did he come back in that round as a bounce back round, he really whooped Joshua's ass. Like, I've mentioned before on the show when we've talked about ourselves that like Usyk, what makes him such a great fighter is that like you can tell when he really wants to turn it on and when he doesn't, like he has levels to him. You know what I mean? The guy is so gifted, he doesn't have to pull it to like, you know, 
He doesn't have to put it to 100% sometimes. And after what Josh, and like you said, he's the type of guy that, like, if you get a little bit on him, he's going to want to get some get back immediately. You know, guys like Terrence Crawford have that mentality, other fighters, like people at that elite level. And Usyk really showed it that next round because he realized he lost that ninth round. You know, Joshua got a, um, got some good shots on him and clearly won it. And that next round, man, Usyk came out there just flurrying. Like, you wouldn't even believe a guy that just got beat up the way he did. Most heavyweights wouldn't be able to come out that next round as fresh as Usyk did. Not only did he come out, he's landing combinations at will. He had Joshua Leary, um, Leary and Weary at the end of it. Like, that was Usyk's best round of all the rounds that they had in all those fights. Like, he was whooping on him, you know? And at that point, too, I think Joshua just kind of said to himself, like, shit. Like, you know, what else can I do with this man? And that's, you know, kind of shows the gap right there. Though. Usyk is on another level, you know what I mean? For him to be able to bounce back like that and really turn it on and show to himself, hey, man, I'm not going to let myself – I'm not going to let you, like, get an edge like that. Like, I'm going to take immediately back, if not just make it even more dominant really is a testament to him yeah it really is dude like um you know it's crazy that he's like what 19 and 0 20 and 0 now it's just wild that he's accomplished as much as he has in such a short period of time uh you know in those divisions too but it's it's clearly he demonstrated why he demonstrated precisely why he's been able to do what he's been able to do um and you know i i'd love to see years and years from him but it doesn't sound like that's in the cards i mean that's unfortunate but i get it he had a long amateur career uh but that's also why he's so skilled and why he looks the way that he does um you know going into those last few rounds i i personally didn't feel like the fight was up for grabs um there was a little bit of a mixed bag on twitter as i was watching the fight just because i mean there always is um some of it was bias i'm sure but I mean, <clears throat> I think what winds up happening, and we've noted this phenomena, uh, this phenomenon before, and other people have too, where like it happens from round to round, but also from fight to fight, I think, where if a fighter does better in this round than he did in the last round, it's like, oh, he's winning the round, even though they might not be winning the round, they're just doing better. And it's like, it's almost kind of like that that kind of bias or that kind of, you know, taints your, your scorecard a bit. And that's what it felt like with a lot of this fight. We're like, yeah, Joshua was doing better for sure. And then he did in the first fight, but Usyk was still lighting him up in a lot of those rounds too. Like, and it wasn't like he was kicking his ass, but he was landing harder. He was landing cleaner, you know, major De La Hoya Mayweather vibes when you talk like that, you know what I mean? Imagine if Twitter was around, if you think about it, if Twitter was around when De La Hoya fought Mayweather, my god dude even now even now when i post about that like people get like angry and they're just like oscar won that fight and i'm like that was such a clear no definitely not that was such a clear like nine three eight four type of win for floyd get out of here dude the play boxing twitter was going on back then the way delaware would jab him to the ropes and then throw a flurry of not (laughs) you you know yeah just uh, doing a bunch of karate chopping (laughs) yeah totally Oh, man. yeah dude just it's it exactly and that's the kind of stuff where uh i remember also uh it, during hopkins de la hoya for instance and i mean it's not the exact same kind of thing but i remember in one of the rounds can't remember which one it was it was like third or fourth or something like that toward the end of the round oscar lands a jab and jim lampley goes and there's a jab the jab wins him the round 
And I remember we were watching it in my buddy's living room and all of us were like, no, like as soon as he did that, because it was like, what? You know, but it was close on the cards when Hopkins ended it, wasn't it? It was, but it like the last like four rounds, Hopkins was starting to kind of zero in and like, you know, not beat him up, but he was, he was cornering him. For whatever reason, man, for whatever reason, big fights always have to have close scorecards, even if they're not close fights. It doesn't, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it, but Uh, it doesn't make any sense. So it, but for whatever reason, that's, that's what they were looking for. And that's what we got. Um, But I mean, that unfortunately also opened the door. So we got, so we got a split decision in a fight that both you and I believe was, if not dominant, at the very least clear for Alexander. It was competitive, but clear. Like a good eight, four, like a good eight, four, you know, in my opinion. And, that's and so like generous, yeah. And if you get to like eight four, it's like, yeah, you only need a couple of like, you know, uh, a couple of rounds that are really close, and you don't know how to score them, and you give them to the other guy, and yeah, sure, you get it like a draw or something like that. But like, but anyway, I, in my opinion, I'm sure you stretch. would. Agree. In my opinion, I'm sure you would agree. I think all the rounds, even the ones that are a little bit closer, there was like a person that clearly won it. I, yes, I don't think that there were a whole lot of rounds that were like, I don't know how to score that round. Most of them were, you know, I, totally. I don't know. I mean, everybody has their own little scoring criteria or whatever, right? But I feel like if you're going on just like clean punches, hard punches, I, I don't know how you could go really on anything else. But but in any point, yeah, or in any way, that's like, that's that's what it seemed like to me. It seemed like Usyk came away with the fight and should have gotten a unanimous decision. But what we get is what we get, and we can't get that upset. I guess. Nah, fuck that guy, fucking Glenn Feldman. What the fuck, bro? But no, um, man, I said, dude, you find judges that clearly you remember when you were young, like Glenn Feldman was around clearly in the night in the early nineties and all that other stuff. Like if you're still judging, if you weren't young back then, and you're still it, judging today. And that's, and we re, we've recently talked about this a couple of different times because of a couple of different shitty officiating situations where I would love not, to get our buddy Gray, Gray Johnson back on to talk about this type of stuff because he would definitely break it down. Oh man, he knows so much. He deals directly with so many of these yeah, commissions too. Absolutely. And I mean, look, I'm not, you're not trying to be ageist. I'm not trying to be ageist. Nothing against older elderly people. It's all good. But the thing is like, when you look on the list of officials for any given state and the average age is like 76 or something, it's like, dude, I mean, really? Like we don't have anybody younger who's interested or could, I mean, I know, and I know, I know because the answer when we say things like this, people are like, oh, well, you got to like referee so many times. You got to judge so many times before they let you do these fights. And I'm like, bro, yeah, but it doesn't take like four decades, bro. You know, like, come on, we're not dumb here, dude. So anyway, you know, like you really didn't need to have Arthur Mercanti still uh, refereeing in the early 2000s. All right. Arthur Mercanti senior about what I'm talking. Yes. Well, and and there's a there's some debate as to whether or not junior should be out there doing that shit right now. So so, like or like trotting out Zach Clayton, who who refereed like, you know, um, Walcar Walcar uh, as a Charles title change. And there he is in the 80s, still wobbling around. I know. Yeah, he was so rickety, poor guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's, again, it's nothing against older people, but it just doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. And on top of that, it's not just the fact that anybody's any particular age, it's that they're consistently bad. They're consistently bad. If I'm consistently bad at my job, I lose my job. 
and it just doesn't make sense that these people are anyway we don't need to go on a big rant well, i know i'm ranting after but... the play too remember i think it was um who was it on twitter that 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 posted up that he that he questioned rob i think oh uh a handful of people did but yeah um no i i know who you're talking about but i i can't remember because i saw that tweet too but they questioned it and they were just, he was like, oh no, you know, and then he had his supervisor hop in really quick to defend him. Oh no, you know, it was a close fight. Uh, swing rounds here. And oh there. yeah, yeah. It was Rob. It was Rob Tebbett. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, kudos to him for questioning that because most people don't actually, you know, go for that. And yeah. but it, it's just funny the way they go and just try to defend these guys. Like you were just kind of alluding to, you know what I mean? Instead well, and- of... I was, I was, I'm sorry for interrupting, but there is, I'm not defending it, but there is a reason for that. A handful of years ago, the commissions, I, I guess, somewhat arbitrarily decided that after fights, uh, they would not allow judges or referees to speak with media, that they would discourage that. And so they're not supposed to, and they're supposed to say, you got to speak with the supervisor or something like that, which is obviously a cop out and stupid, but there is precedence for it. And so it's not like unheard of that. They're like, uh, I'm not going to talk about it. So, I mean, I'm <clears throat> again, not defending it, but it's, that's oh, kind of just the standard now. I swear that there was a fight though, man. I don't remember who the, it was a very high profile judge, like one that generally everybody in boxing kind of remembers. But I don't remember his name off the top of my head, unfortunately. And I feel like he was interviewed on HBO or something after a big fight, a really controversial fight. And he spoke on it. And oh, I don't know. It might have been I... Jerry Roth. It might have been one of those guys. I don't know, man. But, like, I say Jerry Roth because, like, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. Somehow they put a judge in the Hall of Fame. And then there's, there's old poor Chuck Giampa. The mind of a judge. Yeah. The mind of a judge. When he froze up on Showtime, poor guy. Jesus, yes, yeah, yeah, that was rough, dude. That was tough to watch. But, but no, I <clears throat> not to not to go out veer off course really quick. I was, you know what, man? Last night I was watching, um, just randomly watching a thing of like, uh, it was a nineteen, it was a nineteen eighty six amateur meetup between the USA team and Russia, and <laughs> I want to say Jampa was one of the judges. And they were talking about how he was going to be there in Seoul in eighty eight. They're like, yeah, yeah, he's a great he's a great judge he knows what he's doing all this stuff and like yeah yeah and then, and then you knowing what happened i don't think that was him michael, michael moore michael moore was one of the young he was 18 years old fighting on that card and he got robbed badly against a russian kid who whooped his ass and i think i think he got robbed probably by jumper too on that card <laughs> should but have known back in the I'm 80s there, late last night man just scrolling couldn't sleep it's like 1 30 in the morning and i'm watching usa against russia in 1986 these fucking these it it sucks that even we have to after a heavyweight championship fight dude i'll i'll put it i'll i'll at least i'll try to be positive here it sucks that we have to talk about officials but at the very least i guess if we have to be positive at least we're not afterwards talking about i can't believe how a heavyweight championship fight was decided by the fact that the dick howls on the fucking ring apron that were advertising the fight we were already watching were super slippery and everybody was falling on what the fuck bro wow and i mean that kind of links into before we get to the post fight when you need him rest in peace before we get to the post fight rant because we we do need to address that um and we don't need to spend a lot of time on this but i feel like it is a big elephant in the roomy kind of thing the fact that this fight took place in saudi arabia dude Again, we don't need to go heavy onto it, but like, 
that the the ickiness of it, the ickiness of the sports washing side of it is one thing. But it's like the production itself didn't seem super great either. Uh, a lot of the stuff clearly was done like remote that a lot of the people were not on site, which whatever, you know, it's all good. But uh, a lot of the stuff was done remote. A lot of the kind of production was like, there was a ton of waiting, a shitload of downtime between fights. So I was struggling to stay and awake. Up till and like, recently, they weren't even sure where it was going to be broadcast in the US, correct? It was like a week ago, about a week ago that they announced that it was going to be on DAZN period. So And I don't know what the, you know, they're advertising these other events during the event, like they're advertising F, uh, F1, they're advertising the golf, the LIV golf, you know, they're advertising all of these other events during the show, makes it super fucking awkward. Yeah, like I said, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it, dude, but it 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 was not great. And that's not a precedent I'd really like to see set, but unfortunately, it sounds like they're they're going to be you know staging. It's going to be a regular thing. Well, they did um, say they're going to be. Are they? They're holding the Zerto Romero fight right against Bevel, or is that going to be in Dubai or something? I think that's in Dubai, is what okay. they said. Oh, that's in Dubai. Um, Damn, well, I'm have to look, but in any well, case, it's we, headed well, to the Middle East. Thing, man, like. For the show we're going to do later this week when we talk about um, Tragic Case of Davey Moore, we we're going to touch upon what went down with like Sun City in the early 80s, Sun City, South Africa, and how they became a major player and how they were very controversial in the world considering what was going on with apartheid and how they still had lots of money. So boxing, you know, being boxing how it is, people still found a way to try to make some kind of profit out of it. And we kind of see the same thing going on over here too, I guess, right? History kind of repeats, repeat, repeating itself when you think about it. Yep. Um, and it's not the only, it's not the only, boxing's not the only ent entity um, who's been traveling to Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah, like I said, golf and F1. Yeah. WWE for many years now have been doing the same thing. And it's actually pretty hysterical when they first started going over there that the people that they um, that they requested make appearances, half of them were dead, including guys like Yokozuna and Andre and Ultimate Warrior and a few others <clears> that <throat> they thought were still alive and well in wrestling. But anyways, um, yeah, it's where there's money to be made, people just kind of lose whatever thought they have in terms of what's going on over there and turn a blind eye to it. Um, there's always going to be protests. There's always going to be people, you know, raising awareness to what's going on. But Boxing being boxing, usually, who gives a shit? <clears throat> it's, I'm not going to lie. It's not an easy conversation to have, and I'm not going to pretend like I have the right answers or even really any answer. All I know is that at some point, everybody's going to have to, every boxing fan, what you know, they can choose to not think about it. Sure, anybody can choose to ignore it. Most people, I think, do. That's okay. <laughs> But if you don't ignore it, if you choose to think about it, you are going to have to at some point make some decision as far as like a line in the sand or whatever is like what your limit is or whatever, right? Because you, if you take it down far enough, boxing itself is exploitative. And it's tough to get around that if you break it down enough. And so you start getting to a point where like, well, should we have boxing in America then? Should we have boxing in Saudi Arabia? Should we have boxing in China? Should we, you know, et cetera. And they're obviously pulling fight, fight cards from uh, a lot of fight cards from Russia right now. 
And I'm not saying that I'm against or for any of those things per se. I'm just saying that it is a tricky conversation to have. Um, and that sometimes saying, well, there's a history of it. That's just a way to kind of shut the conversation down. Like that's not really, that's not really a response. Like we know there's a history of it. So what the, so, so then what, you know, what's the next move in that conversation? And I guess that's, that's what you have to decide. Are you okay with watching Oleksandr Usyk versus Anthony Joshua from Jeddah? Some people were not and did not watch it and that's their right. But at the very least, there should be some sort of conversation about it. And the people who raise it should not be shouted down, should not be shamed into, you know, because they said some shit. Um, but what the conversation is, I don't know. That being said, getting to this post-fight rant, man, it was epic. It was good. It was, I mean, not not good, good, like bad, good. It was boxing. That's what it was. It was, it was entertaining. <laughs> it was train wrecky. Uh, look, man, you know, Joshua has always been one of those guys. He's This isn't the first time he's lost now, so he's um, been prone to, like, a little off-kilter post-fight, whatever. But, like, this this took it to, this took it to another level, man. Yeah. You know? I think everybody collectively was just going, what in the actual hell is going on there? Because at first off, you know, it, he took the mic and he started, like, going off a little bit. Oh, you know, whatever it's going to be like. He, he didn't really like he, he he was on the right side he was talking about what's going on in ukraine and everything like that i'm like okay you know like he's he's taking the moment away from Usyk a little bit but like at least he he seems like he's on you know on the right spot for this so like you know it, it's okay and then he started going off all right before you like it and just there was like levels to it you know what i mean almost like again like a music solo like it was started slow and then it built 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 and before you know it you're just kind of going like wait what <laughs> and i remember tweeting to somebody after the fight i was like after joshua's rant was over i felt like i took a trip on a whirly gig like i just you know my brain was completely scrambled i was like what in the fuck did i just watch i wasn't drunk i wasn't mm -hmm. high. i wasn't anything i was just utterly confused that was one of those memes that you just sit there and you just kind of like yeah man it was uh <laughs> it was awkward um <clears throat> what I <clears throat> excuse me I initially thought that he was uh it seemed like he was mad and he thought he got the decision then he was getting pissed off at Usyk about that but then because it sounded like he was saying something like how could you beat me like you know you know how or you know you're you're so skilled but how could you beat me that's what it sounded like he was saying at first and so I was kind of like, oh, no, dude, he's starting to fucking, you know, be a jerk about the decision. Oh, that sucks. And then he grabbed the microphone and I was like, oh, maybe not. Oh, no. And like it, <laughs> it went from like, maybe not. Maybe this is going to be OK to no, this is not OK. And look, dude, like uh, he went from praising Usyk to like kind of going off the rails about like him starting boxing late and. It was uh, a wild ride, man. There it was, was kind so, of there was a lot of dips and turns in that. There yeah, he just he didn't really stay on. Hurting <laughs> a lot, time. he was getting angry. At one point, he yelled at Usyk to back up because this was his time, and Usyk just wanted his flag back. Um, and you could tell if you watched Usyk look kind of visibly annoyed, like he wasn't. Yeah, saying at first he was just like, yeah, like straight faced, and then when Anthony Joshua turned around and he had the flag on still, Usyk like was like. 
yep, fucking grabbed that shit right off and was like, no, 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 not with my flag, buddy. You ain't doing that shit with my flag. And, you know, and it was just going on and on and then it wouldn't stop and no one was going to take the mic away from him and do anything like that. But it's just that's like, what oh. that's what got me was that he like he was like, hey, cut the music. Give me the microphone. And they did. Yeah. Like, not only did they cut the music, but they also gave him the mic. What the fuck, bro? I mean, somebody like whether it's his team or the production or something like cut the. Come on, bro. Like you've worked in production. You know, they could cut the audio or something like, come on, dude. This is anyway. It seemed like there were a lot of oh, people... they would be, they would like people like me, the lowest of the lowest pole, were to be the ones that would have to like run up there and do that and like risk ourselves for that. Well, that that would not have that <laughs> wouldn't have happened on That's, on dude. Yeah. Jim Gray would have gotten punched. Like yeah. I look, I don't like Jim Gray as much as anybody else. But when it <laughs> you remember when who was it was it Adrian Broner who tried to take the microphone? And he was like, nah, fucking yanked Tony? it. Tony threatened to beat him up. Tony threatened to beat yep, him up. Yep, that's yeah. Well, that was different because he, um, yeah, Tony yanked the microphone from him and was like, "No, this is mine." But, Broner, Broner just verbally abuses him. That's that's what that is. Yeah. But Mer- Merchant wouldn't allowed that shit either. He'd have been like, "What the fuck are you doing?" So it was it was just strange that uh, so many layers of like security or whatever let that happen. He just it, it just like went on and on. So he was like talking about how how brilliant Usyk was and now you got to take losses and what he started with and what he has to do. And, you know, I prepared, he said, no other heavyweight in the world would have beat me this night, but he did like, it was almost like he was trying to process everything, but he couldn't process right. that he lost. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, a guy like, look, I'm not going to play, play some kind of like psychoanalysis over here, but like a person like Joshua, he with so many people around him that build him up the way he does and how he's been built, and since the Olympics won the gold medal and everything else like that, for him to lose twice to a guy now that he seemingly can't be, I'm sure that just, like, kind of really fucks with him, you know what I mean? And I don't know, he that was just a show of emotion immediately afterwards, like, you know, I, it was it was bewildering. Um, some people wanted to, wanted to compare it to something like, you know, Oliver McCall kind of falling apart during the Lennox Lewis fight, but like those were two totally different scenarios. Yeah, those that's a pretty specific set of circumstances. Yeah, you know? and, and I get the reason why you would say something like that because you're trying to like think of another time when someone just kind of went off the kilter a little bit, but like McCall was literally pulled out of either a crack house or um, or a rehab for that rematch. He had just no business being in the ring. He was going through major, major outside of the ring issues when Don King got this fight offered and he was like, you know what, we got to put McCall in there. So... That, that's a completely different scenario. AJ just, I, I, it was like he couldn't accept the loss. Like, you know, the fact that he's, he heard a split decision, he lost it again. Um, the fact that he, the preparation that he put into this fight, that he thought, you know, there was no way he was going to be able to do it. The adjustments, the bullshit he was saying before the fight. And remember when he was like, oh yeah, you know, if he was orthodox, I would have smoked him. The reason why I lost was because of X, Y, and Z, not because of anything he actually did. Yada, 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 yada. And now you're just kind of like, bro, really? So. Yeah. And, you know, and and yet other people wanted to kind of give him a pass on a kind of mental health, uh, you know, level or whatever. And I think it's tricky, dude, because you you don't know how much of it is that he just got punched for 12 rounds. You don't know how much of it is his ego you don't know how much of it is like you said, him trying to just process what just happened, but doing it in real time, you know, kind of like just free 
whatever they call it, uh, you know, free writing, whatever, just free verse, just <laughs> fucking freestyle on that shit. Because but, you just never know. You really never know how someone can just react in real time to a, especially when you put in the amount of effort that AJ did for this in preparation for this. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's not to say that it's not understandable. And it's yeah. like, yeah, dude, you get it. I get it. We can we can understand how somebody, a fighter on this level, could be upset or frustrated or you know a mixture of these things and not really know how to express that vocally in front of a big crowd. But regardless of that, regardless of all of that, there is still another person here. Alexander Usyk's just fucking standing there after winning the ring heavyweight championship. And you know what I mean? The shit he's gone through these past yeah. Years, this fool was literally just in Ukraine fucking fighting yeah. a war and stepped away so he could fight a heavyweight title fight. Dude, I, I mean, and that's not to say, like, there are a lot of icky things. Again, we already talked about that that happened with this pr production. And that's, you know, there's a mixture of stuff and it's complex. But nonetheless, there is still another guy here. And so to, to disregard that other fighter like that, I get that, that Joshua might have been going through some shit. But what about what Usyk's going through is all I'm saying is, that, you know, that guy just won. And you just lost twice in a row. So you need to wait your fucking turn is what it comes down to. So I will say this, and I told you this before we started recording, uh, whatever happened, yeah, dude, it's weird. It was awkward. It was kind of entertaining and, you know, wild. But I will say Anthony Joshua did apologize, and it did seem like a genuine apology. It wasn't one of those, sorry if I offended you apologies. It was a fucking, you know, like I, I fucked up, then I apologize for that, and I'll do better going forward. And it's like, you can't really ask for a whole lot more from apologies. So I'll give them that. And sure. I just don't like the fact that it's like the third loss and the third tantrum that he's thrown after the loss. It's, it's just not a great look considering, you know, you are kind of silver spoony, bro. Like you've had every single one of your pro fights, you know, on some sort of fight deal or some network or app or something. You've made a shit ton of money in a fairly short period of time. And, you know, you have the resources to get just about any trainer you want and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, it's not like you're, you're not slumming it, bro. Like, you know, like it's, you've had every opportunity here when it comes to boxing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you kind of need to step back in my opinion. So, I, I mean, I get the, the and, mental and aspect. This was probably the biggest one in terms of like, in, in terms of just like having like a breakdown after a fight that he's had. You know, I mean, like, and considering the stuff he did too, like, I didn't realize immediately after the fight that he threw all the belts down. Like, he grabbed the yeah, and then he yeah. Like, I was like, really? I forgot. Yeah. Good call. I forgot to mention that because I didn't see that in real time at all he either. Denied, but no, like, he actually just took them and just threw them down. Like, if I was Usyk and I saw that, I'd be like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? You know, like, I wouldn't even. That's that was wild seeing that. Like, Joshua really, you know contrast that we, we mentioned we talk about how some fighters how it's classless or whatever when they just immediately leave the ring after a fight but sometimes it might be for the best if that's the way that you know instead of having something like that as a reaction totally like, contrast that with you know uh in a way defeating donaire in their first fight and donaire coming to his dressing room you know humiliated weeping asking if he could just you know have his belt, you know, Inoue's belt for a night so that he could make, uh, fulfill a promise to his kids. 
you know, contrast that with the kind of petulance and baby shit we just, that's all I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are other fighters who've gotten the shit kicked out of them and who've, you know, reacted much better is all. Give Joshua whatever pass you need, I guess. But I'm just saying. It, it was just interesting. Like, you know, before the show started, I told you the only, I was trying to rack my brain because we're history nuts. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, when I know I've seen other people have kind of meltdowns after a fight or whatever it might be. And I was like, when's another time in history where I saw somebody just kind of like not go up? Well, nothing would be like the way Joshua did, but at least just kind of go off kilter a little bit. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? When Nigel Ben, <clears throat> very popular, um, super you know middleweight and super middleweight champion from the 90s whose kid is uh getting ready to fight um chris eubank jr to renew their rivalry but um when nigel ben lost his title his super middleweight crown to a very underrated fighter by the name of tulani sugar boy malinga from south africa in 1996 um immediately after that fight ben grabs them like i and i and i had to watch it too because the last time i literally watched that was one watching it live with my dad as a kid on showtime but i still remembered it because even as a kid i remember thinking to myself it was a little odd you know as a loser taking over and just kind of doing what he did but like ben immediately after the fight and i mean he was obviously you know a, a fucking god in the uk still is but like the way he grabbed the mic, you know, he apologized for losing to the fans. He started tearing up. He gave Malinga some credit, said he was awkward, yada, yada, yada. But then teared up some more, talked about what it, what he did for um, for the country and what he's done for UK boxing. Then announced his retirement, which lasted all of a few months because he was back to fight Steve Collins soon after that. Um, after announcing his retirement, got down on one knee and proposed to his girlfriend. And, you know, that made for a heartwarming moment, all the other stuff. And then when you think it's over, gives the mic back and then comes back and grabs his hands and goes, I have one more thing to say. Walks up to poor Malinga and goes, you need to give me that belt back. They'll send you a new one to South. They're going to send us another one to South Africa, which is brand new. <laughs> and then he gives the mic back and walks off. So that was, the, that was the one comparison I had to myself. I was like, oh, yeah. Well, oh, wow. And I watched it back and I was like, holy shit, he actually did go all out with that. But for whatever reason, Joshua seemed even worse off like the whole thing and i still want to see joshua come back like he's still a viable entity in the heavyweight division there's yeah, so much performance wise nothing to be ashamed of not at all man but for his psyche i get it there's one guy for a guy like joshua you know i get it like that it must be so hard to know that there's a guy out there that like you know two two times now especially the second time when you put everything into it and you still couldn't get over that hump like yeah, all the training ain't gonna do Everything. it. All, yeah. all of the all of the fancy equipment ain't gonna do it. The new methods, the new trainer, the, the you know new strategy. It didn't do it. And I'm yeah, dude. Like you know, we both get it. It's just it just sucks to to have a fighter's moment taken that way. And I feel the same way as like you know when a fighter loses, and then especially when they were beaten by somebody who was like not very popular or something like that, and then they immediately retire. And they do it on the microphone. And it's like, dude, you just totally shat on that that fighter's moment. You know, like, I, I get it. But, man, that sucks, dude. I, I just hate seeing stuff like that. Cause so do I. So do I. Anyway, to be overshadowed would suck like that. But, um, Usyk, but, too, man, he, he's the king of the world now for this. For this and he fight. took it in stride, too. All things considered, he took that shit in stride. Well, I mean, considering everything that he's gone through to reach this point, like you said, man, you know, with the war in the, in the Ukraine right now, um, 
and everything else that's happening with him, the fact that not only was I can't imagine how many fighters with all the distractions that Usyk had to come with for this fight that like it, they wouldn't be able to pull up, you know, be at their absolute best. And if their absolute best, they might lose because Joshua was at his peak for this fight. He was he looked great, and most fighters with everything, all the distractions that they have going on. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be mad if they really had a lot of stuff happening. They want to compete at their peak because of what's happening. Like, I get it. But to Usyk, to his credit, not only surpassed what he did in the first fight, he even brought it to another level. And just like, you know, that shows that's such a testament to him and the type of character he is, the fighter he is and anything. And my God, man, I I can't see anybody beating him, including Fury. I would, but I want to see that fight more than anything. Yeah, that was and, obviously going to be the next the next point of interest here. What do you, what do you think? Thing. So, I, you know, Fury says he's retired. He's clearly not like, I mean, he, he talks a bunch of bullshit, man. Like, I made the joke on Twitter. I don't even care at this point, dude. Like, yeah, make man, the fighter like, shut up. I mean, when Larry Holmes was like making it, was calling his retirement every other week after knocking out somebody on Tuesday night fights, it became like a running joke. Fury is the undisputed heavyweight champion, linear champion, whatever you want to call it now. But when you announce your retirement, you give up the ring title, which however you want to view it, some people don't want to view it as anything. But I mean, honestly, the ring does have lineage there from the man who beat the man who beat the man who beat the man. So if you do give that belt up and subsequently, I don't know if he's going to give up the WBC belt or not, but that should be non-essential anyways. Like, Usyk is clearly the man right now. Fury announces retirement. Usyk beat Joshua in a rematch. And if they're going to come back, Usyk has to be looked upon as champion. Fury has the type of ego, I suspect, that like he can't handle somebody in the limelight that's going to take his... It's kind of like Muhammad Ali. You know what I mean? Ali was completely used up though when he wanted to come back. Fury's not, and that's what makes it so compelling. You know what I mean? Fury still <laughs> thinks that he, like, he's, he's the man and the fact that like God, someone else just... has the nerve to become champion and become the dominant guy. Yeah, it was like, retire. yeah. You know, I, w- I just tweeted the other day, like, you know, jokingly, at least half jokingly, I was like, oh, in months now, I'm going to have to worry about defending, like, quote tweeted Tyson Fury of retiring. And I was like, man, there's going to be a big argument about this because, you know, somebody's going to something or other and, and they're going to say, no, what about Tyson Fury? And it's like, he fucking retired. And people are going to say, no, it's not a real retirement. Because and it took it didn't even take months. It took like nine days or something like that. Dude, we dude. all know all this bullshit. All right, all you <laughs> had to do if if like Usyk got as really soon as the yeah as soon as the fight's done, dude, you get this in a fucking dark like half smoky room. Look at these dogs. <laughs> like guys, like sounds like he just fucking smoked a pack of crocodiles or something. Yeah. What the fuck, bro? Like, I don't know, but I, I don't have any issue with Tyson Fury. It's just so, it has to be, why does it have to be so needlessly complicated? It doesn't. That's what's so dumb about it, bro. You could have just waited a week and a half and then you guys have a unification or whatever it is, you know, for the undisputed championship. But no, now it's got to be all dumb and complicated. It's lame. I mean, do you think that fight even happens? Like, honestly, do you think that they'll, do you think they'll make it? I don't know. I mean, it being boxing, who knows? It's a big question mark. It definitely not going to happen anytime soon. Fury loves to play his little mind games and whatever else he's trying to do. So he's going to say he's coming back at one point, probably not other stuff, all the complications, money involved, the different factors. It's going to be really, really difficult because again, this is the sport that we're in. You know what I mean? And, um, 
I don't know. I hope so because it's the only illogical fight that needs to be made. Usyk clearly said that he has no interest in fighting anybody else except for Fury. And he definitely got Fury's interest by beating. Um, I think he's spot on, dude. I think he's yeah. who else? In the, I mean, everybody else in the division needs to fight among themselves. Like no, there's no clear, you know what I'm saying? Like no, no disrespect. Cause I want to at least touch on our, our boy, big bang Zhang in a moment, but yeah. you know, but there is no clear, like number one contender. Yeah, it's a different era too, where like you know guys like Lennox or Mike Tyson or Holyfield would honor a mandatory challenger. Like, could, could you see, for example, a guy like Tyson Fury or Usyk fighting someone like Von Bean because they were the IBF mandatory challenger, WBA mandatory challenger? Absolutely not. At this point, probably not. No. No, totally not. Because what would that what would that do for them? Unless they were forced to do it because there was literally nothing else out there for them at that moment, and they had to do something like. You know what I mean? They wouldn't, it's just something different now. Like these guys aren't really interested in doing like a guy like Dillian White, who was the mandatory challenger. That's why Fury took him. Cause that was still a very, very big fight considering where it was. But if that was just like, you know, a, a nondescript American fighter or whoever it might've been to fight that, you think Fury would take that? Not, you know, they don't care about that, especially in this division. And Usyk has made that clear. Now he's the ring magazine champion. He's the linear champion now since that Fury's retired. And he's just looking for the biggest fight out there. And the one fight that's going to send him into retirement and make him content. And that's Fury. Nothing else out there is going to make him do that. You know, a Joseph Parker fight's not going to allow him to do that. A fight with Chisora again, or I can't believe I mentioned that name, but you know, any of the, any of the names Joyce or any of those. Yeah. Joyce, even yeah, yeah, yeah. Wilder is the only one that could I would even love have to see that fight. Absolutely. But we, I want to but see we, Wilder with anybody, but. but we still need to see him get through Hellenius, which I'm not saying that that's some big, like, Ooh, wow. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that it's more about the state of Wilder. You know what I mean? We need to see him bounce back before anything. And I think for whatever reason, man, unless something wild happens and this is boxing, because it could happen. I don't see them to coming across each other anytime soon either because like they just seem like they're on you know what i mean it's just on a whole they're kind of on different wavelengths right now i think yeah yeah wilder's on a little bit more of a rebuilding mission i think exactly exactly so i don't know man you know i i hope it happens and it's a fascinating fight you know fury's such a big guy and he's such a skilled guy that like clearly he can make an impact in the fight but usik's being as incredible as he is too man it's it's fascinating to think about you know but i don't know yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I wouldn't be surprised they both retire and nothing happens. Yeah, that would be pretty disappointing. But I guess that would also be kind of on brand for, for everything that's going on right now. But you know what, though? If I were Aegis Clemus or if I were somebody in uh, Usyk's team that has any sort of say as far as what goes on, if we approached Tyson Fury to make the fight and there was any sort of hesitation whatsoever, if there was anything but, yeah, let's do that shit and let's get that shit done last week, yeah retire just retire don't even don't even like threaten to retire or like you know what i think we're gonna retire just retire just say now nah, you know what, dude nah mm -mm. we're not gonna play these games bro we're champion and bye because there's nothing left yeah dude it doesn't really make sense to go through this uh gaggle of <laughs> dipshits we got at heavyweight you no, know i mean like and that's and that's not a knock on um you know, Zhilei Zhang or Hergovich or all, you know, all these other like contenders out there. But like, They got to all battle each other. To... Yeah, and that's going to happen too. And that's always been happening. You know, when we saw this fight for the, for the IBF mandatory challenger position or whatever, I remember stuff like that happening back in, you know, you can think about that from like the early 
90s, uh, the 90s up into the 2000s when they would always have like these elimination fights for the for the number one contendership. Hell, I think on pay per view wasn't Chris Bird Maurice Harris, um, like the main main undercard fight for one of those Lennox Lewis title fights or some shit back then. That's sounds right. Yeah, that was like the mandatory challenger, probably for the IBF one, because that's what Bird ended up winning. So. Yeah, and that's what Lewis wound up. Yeah, not. Yeah, he was like, "Fuck that fight." So, you know, to give you an example, I mean, that was you know, but like, he he made it apparent, like he just wants he wants Fury. He knows what the biggest fight is out there. Do I think Fury wished that Joshua was going to be the winner because of the money and everything else that was going to come with it? Absolutely, because of think about it. You know, what I mean, they're both from the UK, the the history behind it already, the uh, the rivalry that's already been built, definitely, but. And I also think he realizes that Usyk is the more difficult opponent. But I mean, you know. I agree. No, I agree on all points, dude. And on top of that, on a on a logistical level, they've both recently fought in either uh, Dubai or Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, I, I know that's not the same country or set of people. I'm not trying to be ignorant like that. But opening up, like, the Middle East when that's kind of considered somewhat taboo, and they've both shown that they're willing to fight out in that area you know at least on that level that would not have been a problem that wouldn't have been you know a showstopper but um yeah dude i i don't know i don't really know that that fight happens if it does great if not it'll get ironed out you know the the division always gets ironed out one way or another and uh it's pretty clear though that Usyk is the man right now um yeah i wish he were around a little bit more but i understand that being said who did you think won that uh, Philip Hergovich, Zilil Zhang? How did you, I mean, I know you weren't like scoring intently or whatever, dude, but what, how do you think that ended, that should have ended up? Actually, I thought Zhang edged him. It was a I very close fight, but um, I thought Zhang did the better work on the inside. Hergovich did a lot of good work himself, but Zhang, um, the punches that he landed had much more effect. He had heard of it. If he was just able to step it up a little bit more, I thought he could have got him out of there. But at the end of it, Zang really impressed me. Um, and I thought he edged it by, you know, a close margin. I'm not like, I'm not going to be like it was an out and out robbery, but it was a fight that I thought Zang won by at least a couple of points. And I, I hope agree. That I agree. Came back too, man, because like you will make for good fights with anybody in division. I, I was pleasantly surprised because I've seen Zhang. You've seen him too. We've seen him a couple times. And it's not that he looked bad. It's just that the level of his opposition in a number of those fights was not good. So it's like you don't really know what it means. You know, like you don't really know if he's any good or not. So I was pleasantly surprised because we know that uh, Hergovich is obviously limited, but, um, but, but talented and can punch a bit. And Zhang went in there and was, I felt like the vast majority of the rounds that were run clearly were won by him. Totally. Absolutely. And yeah, that yeah. he was, he found, especially early on, he figured out how to kind of like maneuver very well. And for a guy that size, he was, he's surprisingly quick, surprisingly, you know, And he knows how to put his punches together, man. He's really good with his combination. He's throwing a lot of punches. Yeah. So it's totally understandable how he was just gassed down the stretch. I mean, to, it sucked, I mean, but at the same time, it's a big shot. boy. And he's the, and the thing is, man, like Hargovich was looked upon by everybody because it was so difficult for him to find an opponent for his, uh, for the IBF mandatory shot that like they got down to Zane. 
And uh, Mannix really pushed home the point that he's the most avoided fighter on the planet, it seems like, or whatever. But, like, um, you know, Zhang, just like you said, bro, when he really won those rounds, he won those rounds. And when he hurt Hergovich, like, he was able to really, you know, Hergovich looked like he was really teetering on the, ver- on the verge of being stopped. Like, Hergovich would be able to, like, control the majority of a part of a round, and Zhang would hit him and then start unloading a few combinations. All of a sudden, the control not only went swung in Zhang's direction, but, like, it was even more dominant in his, in his way than what Hergovich was just doing, you know what I mean? And because when Hergovich was, you know, landing a few combinations, Zhang was still with him. It's just that Hergovich was, you know, getting a little bit of the better of the exchanges. So yeah, he was like getting in and out a little bit better. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it was a really good fight, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's not one I expect to go. And yeah, it's going to be run back because I think Hergovich now is obviously going for his. Uh, yeah, he's going to take that W and run. Yeah, yeah, totally. But Zhang, um, to his credit, and to uh, my close friend Terry and Tommy Lane, their credit, um, he really upped his stock there because of what happened in the Jerry Forrest fight, where we almost watched a guy die in the middle of the ring with all the factors going on in it. Um, he, he really pulled himself out of that because there was a lot of questions people really thought, you know, was he just a flash in the pan? Was he a nobody? Well, all this other bullshit, yada, yada, yada. But, yeah, and it turned out there was obviously much more to the story than we realized. Yeah, Exactly. And he put on a hell of a performance, man. And with the division kind of as open as it is, like, yeah, we got Usyk at the top and, you know, Fury as a question mark and as Wilder. But Zang fits in with any of those guys. Zang would make a great fight with Andrew Ruiz. I'd watch that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'd love to watch Zang. That'd be a banger, wouldn't it? Imagine but, hey, Zang yeah, Zang's going to be there. Like, he ain't going to be running yeah. from him. So that would, they'd meet head on. That would be a hell of a fight. Zang him. Uh, Zang against um, Ortiz. Um, Zang Wilder. And Andy Ruiz is looking good, too. So, I mean, I yeah. don't know if he's going to pull the trigger, but he's, at least physically, he's looking good. That would be a fun-ass fight, man. That would be a fun-ass fight. I'm saying he fits in well with anybody because he makes for a fun he, – he has a fun style. He's not going to run for you, and he, and he meshes well with any individual. Harris Pina, matchmaker. That's a good fight, dude. I'll take hey, that. Hey, man, I work, for, I work for promoters before, bro. I kind of know – you know what I mean? I got a little touch. Hey, anybody listening in, just saying. I don't want to be a matchmaker. Never mind. Out. If you're listening in, don't hire him. Please, God, no. Like I said, I work for promoters, so I see how matchmakers are treated. No. <laughs> yeah, it, that is a fucking tough job. I'm I'm not that I've done that. it, but I know but it's a tough I'm, job. I'm too sensitive for that, man. I would not be able to handle I would definitely I, end up swinging on somebody that would give me a hard time for something quick. <laughs> <laughs> straight up. <laughs> yeah, do you? But you've already been talked to fresh by every fucking promoter and manager in the business. And, you know, when you work for said shit, dude. So it's like. Ed and Lou and everybody else, man. They're all. Yes, yeah, you already know. know. Exactly. I just know. I've seen it. I was, it was a bummer, dude, because I, I thought that Zhang won too. I thought that he should have gotten that decision. And on top of that, you know, I mean, we're a little bit biased because Terry and Tommy Lane, nice dudes. You know, we'd like to see them uh, get that W as well. But it, you know, shit happens and I'd love to see it run back. But like you said, I, I think he's, that's probably not going to happen. However, at the very least, it was a good, it was a good outing and it was a, uh, a pretty big platform to give an outing like give that kind of outing on it was an entertaining fight and it wasn't Very anything so. that i don't think it's going to count against zang at all you know what i mean like no if anything again it raised his stock because no one i think expected i agree yeah from him everybody yeah, i agree him to stop him or beat him up or be like it wouldn't be that competitive and nah zang definitely raised his profile and like i said and like you agree he fits in well with anybody i'm not going to say he's going to outright win but anyone you know i mean like look how many opportunities a guy like gerald washington has had 
over the <laughs> yeah, years. I would totally. just give him as an example, not a, not a, you know, no, for sure, not, not an awful fighter in the least, but like just a, clearly a guy who is a level below everybody else, and how many times he's been featured, and if he no, can that's be true. like that, why not Zane? You know, no, that's true. That's totally true. Yeah. No, I'd I'd love to see him again. Um, I think he's like thirty nine, so it's yeah. I, I'm thirty nine, so I'm not even trying to talk shit, you know. But but, but I mean, point being that he's too, and he hasn't, and like you said too, he hasn't taken a lot of um a lot that's of true. Here, so that's true. He might he might have a little bit more time left than than you know the the average thirty nine year old. But I'd love to see what happens. Yeah. Um, but actually, before we head out too, one last thing. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a, a shout out to the to new england shout out to the northeast area our boy gray you know, gray johnson for box rack yeah popeye rivera dude went in there and gave a pretty good gave a pretty good account of himself against badu jack who we eternally give a pass to for reasons untold i mean it was it, <laughs> actually i mean it was it was a pretty decent fight and popeye rivera did much better than a lot of people thought he would do um, you know, Badu Jack's a tough guy to figure out, man. He's like a guy that can fight up or down who's level opposition sometimes. Probably a little past it now. And he's kind of long in the tooth. Like he was already a little bit, I want to say when he was a prospect, he was already like in his like late 20s or something. So I mean he's I was ringside when he got starched. So I remember that. I, yeah, it was like pretty, it was like 90 seconds or something like that. It was rough, yeah, dude. So it's it's been a while and he's gone through a lot. Uh he's had already uh yeah, already had some surprising moments in his career and whatnot. I mean, he looked good for a good chunk of the fight, but then started. Pro. At least he got rid of Lou Delval. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But here's here's one, man. Before we go, a uh, little historical question. A lot of people always want to like bring this up, and, and especially on Twitter, they always want to compare it to where do you rank now Usyk and Holyfield? Not going to say head-to-head because Holyfield still will come ahead obviously but in my opinion but like when you put their cruise away that cruise away at least where do you where do you compare them to that's the best way to put it because heavyweight it still has to be determined i think Usyk had a more di- how to had a more impressive and more difficult cruiserweight run than okay. evander holyfield like pretty much without question the yeah. cruiserweight division that he got through was a, a tough division um you know we were just talking about like it it sucks because cruiserweight, the nature of cruiserweight and how much money surrounds cruiserweight at heavyweight and sometimes at light heavyweight that it winds up getting forgotten. And so it's tough to build up credentials at cruiserweight, you know, and it's on top of that. It's usually not a very deep division. Usually it's pretty shallow. Every so often, though, we get a nice little burst of activity in cruiserweight. And that's what happened about, you know, what, maybe five, six, seven years ago was when it first started really like filling out, especially on the European level, which is just kind of the nature of the division i guess but um a number of the fighters that he went through dude these were not these were bad dudes in and of themselves and also did some you know were able to accomplish some shit outside of alexander Usyk or once he left so i mean i think there's no question uh Usyk's cruiserweight run was better but i mean you can't you can't compare the heavy heavyweight runs at all obviously but i mean um yeah, I, I think that they're somewhat comparable as fighters as far as being able to, you know, move from cruiserweight up to heavyweight successfully. Uh, I mean, Usyk, obviously, clearly the two best cruiserweights that ever lived. And I, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, 
I'm one of the people that kind of unlike think the cruiserweight division is they're like it's easy to make fun of them or just like knock on them or whatever but like it's kind of underrated man they had some really really good fighters in there over the years it just wasn't yeah, a really high profile division and it's like heavyweights who actually move their hands I mean yeah, you know. yeah. And there were some really good fighters in there, like, but those two clearly stood out. But I mean, I always found it interesting. Everyone's always comparing. I agree with you too, man. Like, Holyfield didn't have bad competition at Cruiserweight. Like Carlos De Leon, I would say Carlos De Leon, um, his stock definitely has dropped over the years compared to you know, and since like the rise of other guys like Usyk or um, you know the his contemporaries like Bradis and other guys like that. But like you know. um, De Leon, though, I would still rate in, like, the mid to lower top 10 cruiserweights of all time. Um, Ozzy Ocasio, who he didn't win a belt from, he was just a title defense, but still, you know, a guy who was a top heavyweight, you know, a top very, heavyweight contender. Very solid fighter, yeah. yeah and a former cruiserweight champion. Um, and Cowie, obviously. Cowie, I mean, well, that's still considered, I don't give a fuck who anyone, anyone says, that's still the best cruiserweight fight ever. Oh, that's Holy, an incredible cruiserweight fight. Holy yeah, the first one, fight. You know, people forget Holyfield legitimately almost died after the fight. Like Frazier almost died against Ali. Like, you know, it was it was that much of a grueling fight. But like him and Ricky Parkey, I mean, look, man, Parkey ended up not having a great record and got beat by most of the guys he ended up fighting. But like at that point in time when he fought Holyfield, he was a tough guy and he came in and he was swinging for the fences. He was a tough guy and he would have been tough for anyone, anyone else in that era. So whatever. But like you said, man, there are levels to this. And Usyk, I think the cruiserweight division had grown so much when Usyk finally was around that, like, yeah, the level it that just they filled are, out better. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it was so, just I pretty mean, cool to watch a guy like Holyfield just dominate the way he did and find someone that was that good back then. Oh yeah, no question, dude. So I mean, I think that they're pretty comparable in that regard. And like I said, I, I wish Usyk would stick around for you know longer, but I get it. And on top of that, having so much uh, of an amateur career. Like, dude, that, that, I would imagine that's really got to take it out of a fighter. You know, like you've been doing this for so long, you know, like you, you don't want to keep doing this shit. Like, damn, dude, it, at least with Usyk. What else is there to accomplish unless he beats Fury? Because I mean, he, Joshua was considered the, the his toughest, he said Joshua was considered, you know, the toughest guy he fought. He's the champion now. And now he's considered the ring champion at heavyweight, like he was ring champion at cruiserweight. And yeah. My question, up. my question is, what does Usyk do if he does retire? Like, does he just start showing up at random fight cards in like a fucking tuxedo shirt and assless chaps? Does he? I just mean, start... my, my hope is that <laughs> like, one, day, do? one day I'm on vacation with my girl somewhere, somewhere out, you know, in Europe, wherever, and I just end up on a beach, and Usyk just happens to be there, you know, break dancing to some house music, and I just join him. Yep, dude. And then he <laughs> and takes your girl, and we just take well. I mean, who am I going to stop him? <laughs> you know, who, who am I to stop him? What am I going to do with that? That's just like any other old-time fighter who decides to make you a know, pass. Like, what women, am I gonna women are helpless against that fucking, this thing right here, with the, like the plumage that he's got going on. Women Dude, are, are helpless. He looks like an old either street fighter or Saturday Night Slam Masters or there's so many other like Sega, Super Nintendo video game references. He looks like the bad guy from from the Fifth Element. Yeah, you can say he kind of. Well, I mean, Zangief, Zangief from Street Fighter had the mohawk, so he can't really put it that way. But like, you you know what? You know who he looks like? Did you remember playing um, Double Dragon as a kid? Yes. Yeah, he looks like one of the muscle bound dudes the, with the, 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 the MC Hammer pants. 
Not Adobo. Not no, the, the MC Hammer Pants. Yeah, yeah, and he had the. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, what was that one's name? Roper was that Roper? Oh, because Adobo was the one that looked like Mr. T with the mohawk, and then the yeah, one... he was all like weird looking. Yeah, yeah, no. Damn, I might have to. I might have to go play that shit because I got that shit. I can't remember his name. Yeah, but like he looks like one of the double dragon characters from back then with that whole streak of hair coming up. He's a character, that. dude. He's he even managed like a fairly funny interview after all of that nonsense. Like I, I, mean, I gotta hand it to him. I love him. Did you remember that? Do you remember seeing he was carrying like an ER or some shit around the whole that whole fight week? And someone and a reporter asked him about it, and he said that his daughter gave it to him and told him that he hold, had to hold on to it close to him wherever he went, so that's why it was with him. Got to be, got to stick to that, dude. You know, you that's, make that promise, you got to I mean, fucking stick to it. You, dude, it's that's just wholesome shit. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, the dude's a goofball for sure. He's definitely crazy, but no, you know, it was it was uh, a strange event overall. But the fights themselves, I don't really have too much of a of a complaint. The fights were fairly competitive, fairly entertaining. Yep. Um, you know, I, yeah, it was a, a fairly good heavyweight championship card if i'm being honest but uh alexander usik man what a fighter and man you know when that photo was taken of usik in the audience staring aj down after whatever win that he had back in the day that was a sign of things to come and people were speculating back then now we have a clear winner and champion and i'm happy for it at least you know as long as you don't think about the the sanctioning bodies who's going to strip who and all this other stuff because that's what, how we're going to get another Charles Martin um, IBF champion again. But, like, um, is he still around? I Who thought knows? he just fought the other day or something, like a week or two ago or something, didn't he? I, I could have sworn. I, I can't keep up with it. But well, regardless, we know Usyk is the best right now. We know Usyk is the champion, and all roads hopefully lead to Tyson Fury. So that's it. It's a fight we'd all love to see. It's the fight we need if they are going to fight. If not, fuck off, whatever. Just let everybody else have a stab. But, dude, you know, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. I appreciate you going over with me, too, man. Yeah, man. Sometimes we got to talk about the news, not just history. But we will be back with history later this week. Mm-hmm. We will have more history. But, yeah, dude, sometimes we got to cover the contemporary stuff. If we have to, you know, heavyweight championship fight. Got to do it. No, dude, I appreciate it. I do. Everybody, uh, everybody who listened in, we appreciate you. And if you did listen in on one of these podcast apps here, please subscribe, give us a rating, leave a comment. We appreciate that stuff. But if you watched, hello, watched on YouTube, thank you. Subscribe, leave a comment, whatever the any of that reply stuff entails, we appreciate that. We're also on social media, however, though. We're on Facebook, Knuckles and Gloves Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, but we're also individually on Twitter. I think we kind of spend a little bit more time social media on Twitter that way. So my buddy Eris is on Twitter as Punch Zone Eris. Me, Patrick Connor, I'm there as Patrick M. Connor. So catch us there and I'll catch you later, Eris. Have a good one. It's all right, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.